Welcome to Two Fools Trying to Make a Musical, about two fools trying to make a musical. To stay up to date on news, share your thoughts and opinions, and generally spend more time thinking about this, you should please visit twofoolstrying.com. That's T-W-O foolstrying.com. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Fools Trying. And now the podcast. All right. I'm coming through okay. Uh, you are coming through okay, being on Skype and being away uh, and in another place due to our social distancing. Of course. I think... Uh, think and it's I all... think that's really the best for us, don't you think, Joe? <laughs> I, think, I think the further apart we are, the better, physically. <laughs> it's about time. It's... <laughs> that's right. So you ready to do this? Oh, absolutely. Just sit here and talk. Yes. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I think I can do it. Is that within your wheelhouse? <laughs> it's right down there. <laughs> Welcome to Two Fools Trying to Make a Musical. Who who are we? And I mean, who, who are you? Uh, my name is Steve Couch. And you? Well, my name's Joe Hollings. I am a composer and a musician... And looking to write a musical, I guess. There we go. Is that enough? <laughs> oh, so I see you're setting the bar for me. Yeah, so then, it's really yes. high. Yeah. Then my name is Steve Couch, and I'm a teacher, and I write things. And coincidentally, uh, I think I might be interested in writing a musical, Joe. All right. Well, before we talk about what, why, why are we writing a musical? Well, isn't that the $64,000 question? At least. Why, <laughs> like, why are we here? Is there, life, is there life after death? We go to a fairly metaphysical place straight away <laughs> with this. Well, I would say, historically, we, we've already written some musicals. That's, well, that's true. Why don't you talk about what we've done in the past? Okay. It, and this is where you're going to edit in. By my request, the first few measures of Huey Lewis and the News back in time. <laughs> uh, if and we can, scene. If we can secure the copyright for that, we'll, I'm not sure our budget stretches to that, but we can, uh, we can see what we well, can that do. Is, that, that is definitely disappointing. But all right, so everyone just put back in time in your brain for a second. You know, all right, so we met uh, 16 years ago. Do you remember when and how? Because I do. I, I believe we were in rehearsal. So by we, I say the student cast of Les Miserables was That's in right. rehearsal at Lake Catholic High School. And you came in doing one of your magnificent interviews for the News Herald about student yes. theatre. Yes, that's correct. That was in November 2004. That was 16 years ago. That was and, recalled uh, without any research, by the way. I was not prepped for that question in any way, shape, or form. I know. I, I thought you would not remember it at all, but I specifically remember that. Yeah. And so that establishes place and time. We're in Northeast Ohio, right? Yeah. And that's where you live in Menor and I live in Madison, which is uh, out in the Bergs, out in wine country out here in Northeast Ohio. 
And the News Herald is like our local little regional newspaper. So I was writing this column for about a year. And I had started it in 2003 because we had just had our second child, Casey, and we were basically broke. And uh, I was no longer working with uh, local theater departments. It's my school in Mentor because uh, I had gone for my master's and, and we were having babies and things like that. But I called the newspaper up and I said, hey, you know, you guys aren't doing anything for youth theater, which I work with. I would do a theater camp for kids for the city of Mentor. I direct for a lot of schools. And they said, you're right. Why don't you write us something? It was literally just that easy. Isn't that great? It is so fantastic. I wrote them something and send them something. So a year later, uh, your school was doing a show. And that was back at the time where I actually thought I had to go visit people and earn my money. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> and I, I walked into the auditorium and you were the first person I was intro introduced to. And uh, my first impression was, that guy's English. <laughs> never, never let it be said that anything gets past you. <laughs> English people get away with murder. You That's know? right. They can they can say whatever they want, and because it comes out English, they're like, "Oh, that's hilarious!" You know, they can say, "Oh, you're, you're a bloody <laughs> and the stupidest face I've ever set my eyes on." People go, oh. <laughs> "That's right." So yeah, so that was my first impression. So skip forward about six months, I needed someone to help me with my theater camp, which I had been doing for ten years, writing my own shows, and I thought. What about that English guy? And I called you cold on the phone. Do you remember that? Yep, I do. And I, and I said, you probably don't remember me at all, but I wandered into your rehearsal six months ago, and I need someone to do a theater camp. And you sounded about as surprised as one might imagine. And I thought, I'll probably never hear from that guy again. But then you surprised me later, and you said, uh, sure. Sure. Yes, let's, uh, yes, let's do that again. Sure. Right. It was just like that. Yeah. All the good feels are coming back. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got along great. Uh, so we worked together all that summer. You liked the program. It was It's a very successful one. I'm still doing it 25 years later. I had been writing my original shows for that program for 10 years. And you said, how come you don't do any original music? And I said, well, because, Joe, I don't know how to write music. <laughs> and you said, well, I know how to do that. And I said, great. And so the next year we wrote a musical. Do you remember what that one was? Was it the Greek one? That was number two. Oh, that was uh, that was. It's all Greek to me. It's all Greek to musical me. Musical ruin. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yes, the first one was. Uh, yeah, we're very clever. The first one was uh, a fairly grim tale. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes, a fa yes. Right. So we now have about seven or eight musicals that we have written in rotation over the years. Uh, that I've been using ever since. But in 2007, you said, you know, we really should write like a real musical. And I said, well, that's interesting because, of course, as we always say in theater camp, it's a masterpiece on paper. It Well, quite. It is a masterpiece on paper. So in 2007, that's when we started the idea of uh, making an adult musical. Was it really 2007? I looked it up. You did do some research. Yes, I did. That was 13 years ago. We really have progressed so far <laughs> since, <laughs> since 2007. Yes, all we had to do is wait 13 years for podcasts to be popular, and then we could find a way. <laughs> well, that's right. 
You see, I you know, I had I had one good idea in concept in two thousand seven, correct, and another one in twenty twenty about doing that's a right. podcast. So we should be done with this by the time I'm seventy. That's that's right. I think we're on. We're we're trying to flatten that curve, the, right? So. 2007, we started brainstorming ideas. And honestly, my uh, inspiration for that musically was Assassins by Stephen Sondheim. Oh, yes. Welcome to Explanation Corner. We thought it might be useful to throw in a few very brief explanations about the theatrical references we mention, although we imagine there is every chance you know much more about this than we do. I suppose the most likely scenario then is that our Explanation Corner interruptions are really for our own benefit and might result in the two of us actually learning something. A quick disclaimer, if you are looking for well-researched opinions, sources for your dissertation, or background for your fourth grade book report, we highly recommend not referencing what we tell you in any way. Nevertheless, Assassins is a 1990 show that opened off-Broadway with music and lyrics by the great, and a hero of both Steve and me, Stephen Sondheim, a book, or plot-slash-script, by John Wideman, which was all based on Charles Gilbert Jr.'s original 1979 musical concept of the same name, which I didn't know until I just looked it up. The show is set at a circus and features 17 named characters, nine of whom assassinated or attempted to assassinate presidents of the United States of America. Light stuff. We encourage you to find a recording of Assassins and listen for yourself. Steve loves this show, as you will find out. I love that show. And in fact, some of my college friends and I on social media were just reminiscing about that show just literally last week because I, I went to school at Miami University in Ohio and uh, in around 1992 I think it was they did a production of Assassins when it was relatively recently new and I saw it there and one of the people who was one of my classmates who was in that show actually is a guy named Eric Lang who has since gone on to appear in a number of TV shows, including uh, Escape from Danamora, the uh, miniseries that was on Showtime not yeah. too long ago. Did you watch that? Did not. I'm sure. I'm sure it's fantastic. <laughs> it, he was great. <laughs> uh, so shout out to my buddy Eric Lang. So they did it, Assassins, and the show was terrific. And I thought, how great is that? It was very dark. It was very comic, but it was about historical people. And it was fascinating how it brought together all these these historical characters from across time and space together into this fanciful little thing. And I said, why don't we do something like that? And you said, sure, because I don't think you cared. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, level, my level of input had started and stopped with the idea of doing a musical. Kind of like this podcast right now. That's right. (laughs) I say, let's do a podcast and then you talk. Right. That's right. So we started, the obvious choice seemed to be, well, assassins, let's do presidents. But that's kind of, you know, that's kind of done, isn't it? And uh, if you're writing something for... I suppose there was 1776, but... uh... Well, right. There's that. Quick trip back to Explanation Corner. 
1776 by Sherman Edwards, who wrote the music and lyrics, and book by Peter Stone. It's about John Adams, Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson selling their idea to the Second Continental Congress to vote for independence from the British Crown. They weren't too happy, apparently. Written in 1969 with the 1972 film adaption, it ran for 1,217 performances, a good deal more than Assassins, which ran for 73 performances in York and 76 in London. And back to the podcast. And there's a reason why schools don't do 1776. Yeah, is it anything to do with all the roles in 1776 are male and most of the kids that audition in high school theatre are not? You got it. So guess what we chose to write about instead? First ladies. That's right. That's right. Brilliant idea. So I spent two years researching first ladies. And then we started writing it in 2009. And I've got 30 pages. You have 30 pages of script. Correct. And you wrote a song. One song. Well, that's that sounds about right. Right? I generated 30 pages of script, <laughs> and you wrote a song. <laughs> that seems fair to me. Yeah. And, uh, and that's where we are. Now, what happened is that was... By the time we had those 30 pages, that was around 2010, right? And then we all know what happened next, Joe. Uh, what was that? Uh, Melissa and I had twins. Oh, well, that rather threw a wrench in the works. Right. That was in 2011. Right. And then we had to get a new house. And that was 2012. Yeah. And then, of course... I'm living with twins, so that <laughs> yeah. How's that? How's that going? It's they're they're the best. So it's yeah. So four kids at home, all women. So I stopped writing first ladies. So that's where it sat, basically, yeah. uh, for the last eight years. Huh. So that's that. that's the history. Amazing of first ladies the musical thus far. That's that's uh, that's quite a thorough and interesting description of what happened. Well, I think the first adjective is correct, and we'll see if the second adjective is accurate. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, best not we judge our own work. <laughs> there will be plenty of other people to do that. Oh, right? I'm, well, if we're lucky. Right, or maybe, yeah, maybe two people will be judging it. That's right. Now, I thought it might be interesting to play the opening or a snippet of the song I wrote for the previous musical. I just need to find it. Mm-mm. Take your time. We're going to edit all this right Oh, now. all of this is coming right, right. out. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, Do you see it in there? Yeah, this. It's a bit into the woods. That was exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay, me again from Explanation Corner. Into the Woods is arguably Stephen Sondheim's most popular musical. Sondheim wrote the music and lyrics, and James Lapine wrote the book. It opened in 1986 in San Diego, then Broadway in 1987. It weaves together various fairy tales like Red Riding Hood, Cinderella and Rapunzel in a fantastically clever way. 
there was even a film made, which was okay. Uh, the film Broadway version, in my um, insignificant opinion, is way better. Anyway, on we go. It, it's that can't be good. Right? Into the Woods pastiche. Well, because I, I think when anyone thinks of music that's catchy and memorable and hummable, yeah. Into the Woods is what comes to people's minds. It's well, certainly like, Stephen Sondheim. That's definitely his reputation, isn't it? Yeah. Stephen like, Sondheim, the guy who sends you humming out into the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, Although, but, you know, I do it, – it's – so much of what he wrote has found his way into, you know, my musical vocabulary, I find. I love Son. I love Son. That's one of the things I loved about Assassins. Yeah. I mean, he's so wordy and he's so lyrical, but how else can you tell a story like Assassins without telling their stories, right? And when he has, you know, the Ballad of Booth and the Ballad of Gateau, and the Ballad of Sholgosh. I mean, he's just he's telling you who these people are in fascinating musical ways. And to this day, I still use those ballads uh, in my history class. Anytime a president gets assassinated, they know that a song is coming. <laughs> of course, they, they don't know the musical, and they say, what whacked-out musical is this from? <laughs> And interestingly enough, in uh, my love of the musical, in 1996, uh, the local fine arts association here in Northeast Ohio did a production of Assassins after I had seen it in college, and I tried out for it. And I played John Hinckley oh. in that show. And that was actually the first show that uh, my now wife, of all the women, saw me perform it, as me as John Hinckley. So that's, that's where we are. With first ladies, we've got 30 pages of a script and we've got a song and it's been sitting dormant for about a decade. So is this the show we're going to try and figure out? What first ladies? Yeah. I still think the idea is a good idea. Yeah. I think the idea is a good idea too. Right. Because here's a show that is historical. So schools would want to do it. Yeah, I think in the Me Too era, we're either completely topical or wandering into a minefield. I'm not sure which we're doing. But <laughs> well, I think, but I th both probably, and that's that makes it buzzy. Yeah, and as we've said, if you want this to be a show that schools, you know, the educational groups can do. Yeah this would be the type of thing to pick because it's also something people don't necessarily know a super ton about, right? They think they do, but there's, you know, people don't know about presidents. They certainly don't know about first ladies. There were a lot of interesting ones. And if schools were going to stage it, you got a ton of girls. I mean, that's a winner. It makes sense. It makes it sense did, to me. <laughs> I had to, I, well, I didn't have to learn a lot about presidents to become a U.S. citizen because I am a U.S. citizen. Congratulations. Thank man. you. Thank you very much. You picked, you picked, you picked a great time. Oh, it's, it's, it, it's always <laughs> the best time. Now is, now is the best time. What, what did you know about American presidents? About American presidents? Um, I mean, what do they make you learn over there? Well, I'll, I do remember when I was doing my GCSEs, which are General Certificate of Education. This is this is thrilling information, by the way, for, for our <laughs> audience. Um, this hey, it's was, on this far, Joe. Just go down the rabbit hole. 
that's that's right. So so this would be when I was let's think. It's sort of the equivalent of freshman or sophomore year at high school. Um and uh, keeping in mind that high school runs from grades, the equivalent of grade seven to twelve. Okay. Yeah, I know how it works. I read Harry Potter. You take your owls, right? That's right. That you, you okay. take your owls. That's right. The letter <laughs> arrives from from the owl down the chimney. Or actually, it's only only down the chimney if you have a disgruntled uncle. I um, knew it. Yeah. But normally, most most families are delighted that they have uh, a wizard in the family. Um, so you get your letter from the owl, and you go when you're eleven to your high school. So this is when this is the equivalent of my third or fourth year, and I was the a freshman sophomore. And during those two years, and you you study for two years, and then you take a you do some coursework, and then take some exams at the end of it. And I I don't know if it's still exactly the same. I'm sure things have changed a little since the dark ages uh, when I was there. But what we did one of one of the major topics I studied about American history was the settlement of the American West, and we looked at. The who was it? Oh, Joseph Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. Which who has connections to Kirtland? Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith. Okay, so which is just one town over from where you are now. That's right. That's right. So it's a sort of odd coincidence that uh, I, I am where I am now um, from that perspective. And, and we, I suppose you've gone to Kirtland since to see all that history, right, Joe? We we actually did go one Saturday afternoon to take a tour around the historical church there in Kirtland. I and take my history kids there every year. That's the first Mormon temple in America. It, it was fascinating. Yeah. And uh, Carrie, my wife and I, discovered that we were the only non-Mormons in the group. Oh, yeah. So there, there was a, a group of about 12, and, and we were taking a tour around the building and hearing all these fascinating things and had this presentation at the beginning where some curtains open and you see the sunrise or I don't think it was that early in the day, but it, that was, that, that was pretty cool. Spectacular, and then, right? The curtain reveal. A big, big <laughs> dramatic curtain reveal. Of the um, temple in the background through the windows. That, that's right. No. I'm always amazed when we're stunned by that, even though we literally just walked by the temple on the way into the visitor center. But that's well, this, still pretty cool. This maybe goes to the point where you, you know, about if you add a little theater to something, it becomes more interesting. Absolutely. So, you know, you make a, a literal or figurative song and dance about something, and people take interest, and people sit there and go, ooh. Just like that with the accent. Oh, yeah. It's an audible gasp when those yeah. curtains parted. You know, speaking of theater, you know, there's a, we have a Mormon, or uh, they call themselves Latter-day Saints now. That's yes. out of vogue. Uh, we have a family of the Latter-day Saints in my community. They participate in a musical out there every year called This is Kirtland. Oh, really? Yeah. So the historical musical, brilliant idea. Well, I think so. And, and by the way, I'm not quite finished with my story. So uh, about... <laughs> We'll just edit that. We'll out. we'll edit it all out. So the right. the the other thing I studied was 
uh, along with the settlement of the American West, was the history of the American gov- the federal government's treatment of Native Americans. Mm. That was fascinating and uh, uh, awful. And of course, um, we didn't we didn't make a big study of Britain's treatment of Ireland or Britain's treatment of India, oh, but we did we did make a big study of the federal U.S. federal government's treatment of Native Americans. Interesting, fascinating. So so that's what I knew coming over here. I didn't know. I mean, I you know I obviously knew about Washington and I knew about Lincoln and I knew that. Uh, well, all, all the presidents had existed. I knew that Bill Clinton played the saxophone. <laughs> and when I moved, George H. W. George W. Bush, correct, was president. And then I I was still a green card holder when um, Obama came in. Uh, and then I became a a citizen right in time to vote in the Trump-Clinton election. Well, thank you for your help. You're most welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So, in short, your knowledge of uh, American presidential history is spotty. No more spotty than... Well, who knows? Yes, I mean, I, I, I certainly. You can finish that sentence because that was the next words to come right out of my mouth. No more spotty than the average American citizen. Who alive knows who Chester Arthur is? Honestly, <laughs> other than people like me. I thought that was a type of sofa. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's definitely holes in our presidential knowledge. There's certainly holes. In terms of our knowledge of first ladies, yeah, oh, for sure. So it's it's a good idea for a musical. I think so. Now here's the problem: I don't think the thirty pages I wrote works. Ah, why not? It's hard to write a show about people that you want the audience to know about without telling them about them in a way that feels like a history class. Yeah. Which, of course, is fascinating to me. But if you ask the average American what's fascinating, history class is like the opposite of that. So that's one of the negatives of doing a show like this. And that's one thing that I thought assassins got very correct, is that they gave you a bio or like the the truth of these characters in an interesting way where you learned about them. But if you look at, for example, the part I played in John Hinckley, I mean, how much did you really learn about him? Answer, not that much. You didn't learn where he was from. You didn't learn, um, you know, what his life was like. It, you know, you don't get the standard biography that you would get in a history class. You get the essence. Well, does it matter? John Hinckley was. No, and that's it doesn't matter. But that's very hard for me as a historian to figure out. And so when I was writing the first 30 pages... I felt uh, compelled to include as much of all the things I had learned that I could include. And it just felt not very breezy as or as interesting as I would like. Also, I think... Interesting this, from 
um, uh, an audience point of view or from a you as Correct. a historian? Correct. Okay. Oh, I thought it was interesting. I mean, yeah. <laughs> sure. I was having a great time for a year digging into all of these first ladies like Edith Wilson. Uh, but yes, would the average American find Edith Wilson uh, amazingly fascinating? I don't even know that they know who she is. I already don't care about Edith Wilson. See, and that's the problem. <laughs> You've done your research about the the first ladies. Yes. How do they? Because because they all existed at different times. Right. That's one problem. Right. So we have that problem to to manage. I, maybe we can dig into this this next time. But I have I have a question about music and the sound. But you know, if you have any thoughts about the sound of the musical, because I have a I have I a, a couple of thoughts. Because we've we've got America's magnificent contribution to music, which I, I really it's you know the the entirety of of popular music is American. America's fantastic contribution, musical contribution to the world comes from, comes out of jazz and blues, ultimately. And then once you, uh, once you get beyond the era of classical music, which is all European. Yeah, that's all European. I mean, you've got some fantastic American classical composers, but what we know around the world as popular music is American. Right. Popular music, I I agree. And uh, as we sit here in in a region of the country that, you know, houses the rock and roll hall of fame right you know a lot of those influences blues and jazz you know the early influences are all documented there but here is where your historical knowledge actually surpasses mine you you probably have a greater appreciation of that than i do well from a musical point of view yes I would say so. I mean, that's that's what I studied at college and uh, went to King's College in London, um, studied composition. I'm going to uh, throw in a little biographical information here, but studied studied composition uh, very briefly, really, with Harrison Birtwistle, who is a very challenging avant-garde composer of note, and some other, some many other wonderful um, teachers. Uh, play the piano, play the trombone, and have done all kinds of other musical bits and bobs. My first job out of college was working for the Doily Cart Opera Company. Um, that was really cool. Uh, Do- Richard Doily Cart. By the way, his so Richard Doily Cart was the guy who brought Gilbert and Sullivan together, as I'm sure you know. Um, I did that. Okay. <laughs> So that so this is this is my little history lesson for you, um, but Gilbert he was Sullivan. I know Doily Cart did not. Right, he was the Cameron Macintosh uh, of the of the the late the late nineteenth century. Um, the who the who of what? Yeah, the right. So he he was he was the big musical producer of the late nineteenth century. Mr. Doily Cart. Mr. Doily Cart. You know, it's interesting when I when I think of Doily Cart, I have an image of something you push out a stack of napkins. Well, it's funny you should say that because he was born Richard Cart, and as 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 I understand it, this is this might have been complete nonsense that was told to me, but as I understand it, he added Doily, and it's spelled D. D apostrophe O Y L Y. He added it because it he thought it made him sound more fancy. <laughs> well So it does. Why it not? Does. Why not? But you've got musicals like operettas like like the Mikado or Pirates of Penzance or Strauss's Flatermouse. 
HMS you, Pinafore. H- HMS Pinafore is another that. terrific Gilbert and Sullivan show. Um, you've got the operetta sound, then the Rogers and Hammerstein sound. Um, there are all sorts of other, I mean, you've got the Bernstein. The, right, you've right. You've got West Side Story and Candide, which are just I could I could listen to West Side Story every day for the rest of my life and be content. It is it is magnificent. The music is just magnificent. And I remember, I think part of it is a personal connection because I remember playing it when I was in the Essex Youth Orchestra, or maybe it was the second youth orchestra, I don't quite remember, but playing second trombone in the Essex Youth Orchestra and playing the symphonic dances from West Side Story. It's just magnificent. Interesting. You know, my connection to West Side Story, Mentor did a production of that in 99 when I was assisting them. And I I did a cameo as that goofy guy who hosts the Mamba Party. Oh, yeah. Gladhand, isn't that his name? I think that's his name. Gladhand, I hosted that guy. Yeah, that's, yes, I could see you doing that, actually. (laughs) You, you so make a you, good so glad you, yeah. So you so, know the history. You know the history of of American music. So I think the question you were getting at was, how do we incorporate that into what we're doing? Well, yes, ma- yes, maybe, and maybe attach the different sounds of American music to these different first ladies. I definitely think we should. But I, you know, what's interesting is it, you've got the sheet music of what you wrote thirteen years ago. Yeah. How much of that sounds like we did that? Zero. <laughs> right. So. Well, then, then you've also got, of course, you you know, in more recent times, there's the Les Mis kind of sound, and the then modern rock musical or whatever. There's the yeah. yeah, the modern rock musical, and then of course we have Hamilton. So we skip through a bunch of names there: uh, W. S. Gilbert and Arthur Sullivan, who together. Gilbert wrote the lyrics and Sullivan wrote the music, created 13 Savoy operas at the end of the 19th century. They were called Savoy operas because they were all presented first at the Savoy Theatre on the Strand in London. We mentioned Leonard Bernstein, who composed the music for the iconic 1957 West Side Story, which was based on Romeo and Juliet, of course. And in case you didn't know, Stephen Sondheim wrote the lyrics for that. We mentioned Les Mis, or Les Miserables, the massive 1980s hit, first in France and then in the UK and the States. Music by Claude-Michel Schoenberg, uh, French lyrics by Alain Bubli and uh, Jean-Marc Natel. Uh, you're welcome for my French accent. And Herbert Kretzmer, who wrote the English lyrics, uh, which was, of course, based on the Victor Hugo novel. Incidentally, the English language version was produced by Cameron McIntosh, who I also mentioned earlier in reference to Richard Doyley Cart. And then we just mentioned Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda's magnificent creation about founding father Alexander Hamilton that went from workshop production, which means not necessarily all the possible sets and lights and costumes, in 2014, uh, to Off-Broadway in 2015, to Broadway in 2016, and to Disney Plus in 2020, which I'm looking forward to watching. Check them all out, and we return. Which I have not seen still. Well, the closest I've got to seeing it, actually, was at the end of John Krasinski's 
some good news thing on YouTube. Yeah, I heard he got them together. He brought in Lin Lin Manuel Miranda with the rest of the cast, or or I I I have to admit I don't know if it's current cast or original cast of Hamilton. It was spectacular. Now I'm stubborn. See, I'm holding out for the the inevitable original cast film. I, I want to see it as it was intended. I I don't even I won't even allow myself to listen to the soundtrack. As a guy who's interested in writing a historical musical, why have I not seen or listened to Hamilton? Everybody tells me I should, but I want to hear the original cast do it. So I'm I am looking forward to. It. I have not listened through it yet. Um, I I must say when I first listened to In the Heights, which I also have not seen. Yeah, I've got I've got the cast recording of that, and that was interesting. I don't think I was quite in a headspace to appreciate it at the time. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone back to it and listened to it. Isn't that kind of like a modern West Side Story, supposedly, sort of, kind of? I, I have no idea. <laughs> I've done zero research on that one. And it ne- next time, I will make sure I am up to date with my Lin-Manuel Miranda facts. Okay, good. Because, yeah, your musical history so far has not been helpful. (laughs) No. Well, I like to, as you said at the beginning of this episode, I just sound like I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) We both are very good at that. Uh, Exceptionally good. I think it comes from a background of teaching. (laughs) I think that's definitely true. Yeah. Well, hopefully Explanation Corner was somewhat helpful. I'm sure it will make appearances in future episodes. But for now, it's time to wrap up. Okay. So what's what's the next step? Right. Well, if you'd like, uh, we can end it on a cliffhanger. Makes sense to me. Because I had a eureka moment this morning. Ooh. And I, we have not talked about this yet. I had an idea that made me sit bolt upright in bed as I was lying here this morning, knowing that we were doing this later. I am sitting on the edge of my seat. I know. It got me so excited. I got out of bed and I went downstairs and I got out my laptop and I started brainstorming and I actually did some writing for about an hour. Good grief. Isn't that exciting? I am. I can't believe what social distancing has done to you. So desperate, I picked up first ladies after a decade. But yes, I have I have an idea, and it's it's a uh, I was thunderstruck by it, and I'm looking forward to running it by you and seeing if it maybe addresses a lot of the things that we've just talked about. Well, that sounds magnificent, and we will discuss that in our next episode. Excellent, wonderful. Well, this has been quite a conversation. Has it? Uh, well, <laughs> let me rephrase that. This has been a conversation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> correct. So, so next time we're going to talk about structure. Is that right? Yes. Structure that be, of that would be fine. Yeah. Okay. Structure of musicals and our musical. Yes. And I will try and do some prep. So, um, my name's Joe. And my name's Steve. And you've been listening to... Two Fools Trying to Make a Musical. Join us for more foolishness at twofoolstrying.com. Like us on Facebook and follow at Two Fools Trying on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs>